To the vibe of tonight's Purple Stuff podcast, let me remind you, Matt, that Jack Napier, our good friend, what he said to Lieutenant Eckhart, think about the future. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to see if you were up to delving into our past to think about the future. What are you, a fortune teller? What do you mean, a future? (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of a weird concept. Well, I mean, not literally, but in our parlance it's going to be a very complicated concept yeah so like when you're a kid you would think things were futuristic space travel robots technology fashion yeah i had the charlie brown cyclopedia set and they were always kind of like opining about what the future might be like and it wasn't right jay well like what kinds of things were they talking about like flying cars and whatnot uh it was well beyond that it was i think as of probably 20 years ago, we were already supposed to be living in these like giant blimps in space, space colonies. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did you say the Charlie Brown Encyclopedia? <laughs> yes. Did you mean on. Encyclopedia Brown? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. The ones that used to pay one penny to get the first volume at Pathmark, and then your mom had to pay 13 bucks a book after that. The whole series was like $1,300. For just $1,300. You can learn about fish and cars and the future. And space colonies. And space colonies. So it's kind of crazy when you think about it. When we were kids, they thought 2021 would have had flying cars and pellets for meals. Like the Jetsons. Totally the Jetsons. I mean, think about it. We saw a Transformers movie in 86. And it was set in 2005. And think about the shit that was in there. Transforming robots. Transforming robots and little exosuits for everybody. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight on the Purple Stuff Podcast. This retro future stuff. It's a very uh, loosely bound subject for us. (laughs) (laughs) As you'll see with our picks. But the general idea, I guess, yeah. It's kind of like a look at things that seemed futuristic in their time or otherwise have something to do with the future. Exactly, exactly. So we'll get into it, and uh, I'll kick things off. Oh, thank Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. I'm 
going to open up tonight with a scene from The Terminator, the original Terminator. And this is a dream that Kyle Reese had when he was seeing these machines. Uh, and it makes him think of the future war that's going on. I always took it more as like a flashback. If you look it up, everything calls it the Kyle Reese dream, which is actually very confusing because to me, it's like a PTSD type thing. So he was from the future and he was in this war with Skynet and then he comes back to impregnate Linda Hamilton. Yes. I mean, that's definitely the quick and dirty summary of the <laughs> events, but not inaccurate. So I really want to talk about this scene, though, because it was like one of the first visions that I had of what the future was going to be like. And it horrified me because when I was a kid, I was like, is this really the future? Are we going to be like homeless, running around with the resistance, fighting robots with laser guns? I get you. I mean, for me, looking at your experience here, it's just kind of proof positive that ratings for movies do matter a bit. <laughs> Because you saw every R-rated movie, like, the day it came out. 84, like, you're fucking, like, in a crib. <laughs> this wasn't on VHS at that time, but once it was, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> but yeah, yes, I mean, that's pretty terrifying to think that's what your future was going to be. It was, right? So the scene itself, you have Kyle Reese fighting this giant robot, which to me, it looks like this massive 2XL. He's just shooting lasers and everything. To me, it looks more like the fucking the villain robot from Robocop, but like 80 times bigger. Yes, exactly. Totally. So he's got these laser cannons and he's shooting a barrage of lasers out at, at the resistance. And not, not just lasers, though, they're like fucking neon lasers. They're really oh, cool. They're, they're, yeah, it's incredible. So, you know, like a lot of people are into the Terminator, like really huge fans of the films. And I know a lot of my friends are more fans of T2. So then when you get to T2, they kind of reprise this scene. And then you see like the T-800s in there and everybody's wrecking house. And it was pretty neat. But this is like my scene, this original one, because it was so vivid to me. And I kept thinking to myself, well, I think we passed the year that it was supposed to be or we're approaching it. And like, we're nowhere near that. So I hope we don't get to that point because I know things are getting pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> You could totally see it, too, the way yeah. things were going. I hope not. So do you have any thoughts about this scene? First of all, it's, it's an Aces scene. Like, oh my God, they don't make them like they used to. No. Because, like, it can't realistically be all true-to-scale props. Like, there must be some special effects going on, but it just feels so insanely big. You think, like, well, we have robotic technology and stuff. You could see what they're working on in Japan and stuff. It's like, wow, this stuff is so cool. And to have a probably a 65-foot, <laughs> like, it's just like a horrible uh, war robot that's yeah, shooting that, lasers at everybody. That's, you mentioned that. It's kind of been like the joke online every time they, they parade out another one of these, like, AI robots that look like people. <laughs> It's like, oh, man, dancing with the devil right oh, now. Oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> so, yeah, this was uh, one of my favorite scenes from that movie and probably my favorite of the Terminator movies. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I know people love T2, and I do too, but it feels very much like a product of its time. I mean, this one does too, but this is just more of a straight-up horror movie. It's a sci-fi horror movie. But it's just also really, really good, and... 
atmospheric like this scene and that little that little thunder at the end of the movie oh so oh and good. the laser you love the lasers pew 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 do you hear me pew 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 <laughs> they were a little bit more aggressive but i'll give you points for that this movie and that scene are perfect <laughs> perfect Number two. Jam packed here in Brandon. Hottest ticket in town. Here's one of the reasons why. Take a look. Here's What I hear from people, the way they're talking, is this man may revolutionize the sport. He does some very unique things, Brandon. I want you to pay attention. He's interesting. He's interesting to watch. Wow, what? Did you see all those streamers? It looked like the 4th of July. Bell's gone. We're underway. Okay, for my first pick, Jay, we are going to talk about the Comet Kid, a.k.a. Max Moon. Max Moon. I like how you went, like, deep calling him Comet Kid first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I, I just felt like I didn't know which one came first, so I'll go alphabetical. Maximilian Moon. By the way, I named one of my old hamsters Maximilian after Max Moon. Just to did establish. you really? <laughs> I did. Yes, he was Fun a space-aged wrestler who kinda took the WWF by storm in 1992. Wow, he kinda took them. <laughs> Maybe not by storm. <laughs> it was a very quick storm. Yes, yeah. a sun shower. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Max was meant to be from the future. But he looked like he could have been from the future. I think the intention was, yeah, he was probably either from the future or just from space, like yeah. some kind of uh, space guy. Yeah, it was that. I mean, Comet Kid. It's right in Moon. It's, I mean, it's right in either one of his names. Exactly. But he was dressed like a Power Ranger mixed with like a vintage Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. <that's> a... <laughs> and do you, you remember the uh, the GI Joe enemy guy, the Cobra pilot? What was his name? Target. Targot. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, picture him with dreadlocks, and that is Max Moon. You're right. You're absolutely right. Bright blue neon outfit, these high-tech flourishes, and he would wear this armor mm -hmm. that let him shoot fireworks and confetti out of his wrists. Yeah. To me, that was one of the things. Like, he was shooting flares from his wrists. He might as well be freaking Boba Fett. I'm like, yeah. man, this is awesome. And now you got to remember, that was pre-Pyro Attitude Era. This, You know how like you turn on wrestling, there's explosions and all that? Back before that, they weren't doing that. This was no, no. Pyro. Back in the early 90s, there was only two ways you were going to see Pyro in the WWF. It was either going to be the end of WrestleMania or it was going to be the Comic Kids entrance. From Max Moon's wrists. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, conceived by and originally played by a wrestler named Conan, and then it switched to Paul Diamond, who very oddly follows me on Twitter. Does he really? He does, and sometimes he likes my tweets. That's incredible. I always found him a little intimidating, but if I ever got the nerve, I would love to tell him how much I enjoyed his work as Maximilian Moon. I thought you were going to surprise us with a cameo or something for tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jay, I'm not that invested. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the thing about Max Moon, which is interesting, is that there is like a lot of lore with this character. Is there? I'm unaware of any lore. No, they're really just a fucking blue guy. (laughs) Yeah. So the lore was that originally, like you called it armor, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but he had an original getup that was actual like armor. WWE.com actually has like a whole photo journey through how his character developed. Right. And the original costume, the concept was like, he looks like a human Metroid character. So he was like a mech? Yeah. Max was- mech. <laughs> mech. Mecha Max. Mecha Max. Yeah. It's incredible. If you ever have time, you should check it out. So is that the, because I did see him with armor in a picture. It looked kind of like uh, Captain Freedom from yeah, Running but like Man. He, yeah, he actually never went out to wrestle that way from what I'm reading. Well, I mean, it sounds a little cumbersome to get into the ring and grapple <laughs> with, that's for sure. I mean, he had a hard enough time. This was a very severe outfit. Yes. Do you think he would get over now, like in the present time? Uh, I think a concept where you have a wrestler claiming he's from outer space I believe that's timeless. It would work just as well today. He would definitely be in a program with Nia Jackson, a squash match on like a <laughs> network only show. <laughs> Come on. Give it up for Max, though. Yeah, Max Moon. <laughs> uh, cool bit of trivia for you. Yeah. He didn't have a long career, but he was on the first Raw. Yes. He had an IC title match with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. The yeah. first championship bout on Raw ever. And he... Did not come out on top. <laughs> but he's still in the record books, Jay. <laughs> oh, look at this. Oh, oh, that's a forward. I never saw anything like that. How do you call a match like this? It's a win for the Thomas Kid. That's what it is, Frank. The Thomas Kid. Well, they like him here. Kids love him. Number three. Great cards for Casio. Would you rather have a calculator or a watch? With a Casio calculator watch, you have both. And it works with one finger. What's the world's most revolutionary watch? The Casio Melody Alarm. 12 melodies, including jingle bells and happy birthday. What is digital? Digital is Casio. Next up for me tonight, Matt, is the Casio calculator watch. And I know this is going to be a hard sell for people because they're thinking this cheap $20 watch that has buttons on it, there's no way he could claim that this is futuristic. But from our time, (laughs) it was futuristic. Yeah, it was like the most advanced thing you could get your hands on. So now we're on the iWatch, which is so far beyond anything we imagined. You know, it was like we had the Dick Tracy toy watch. Oh, my God. This this technology from a fictional 1940s is going to (laughs) really rock my world. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to the point where we had digital calculators on our wrists. What kid doesn't love pressing buttons? You got to press a button. And and here, like, they actually fucking did something. You have a whole calculator on your watch. I couldn't do math, so it was perfect for me. Um, but then when I saw Marty McFly wear this in Back to the Future, I figured I already had the life preserver vest. So I got the watch. You, oh, you were one of the kids who had it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you were like hot shit in elementary school then. Well, it wasn't necessarily that. It was just the fact that I thought this was making me high tech. 
So the other thing some of these watches did, not necessarily the same model, some of them were like data banks so you could store phone numbers in them. I press these buttons even like on cell phones and I'm hitting like three of the buttons. I misspell everything. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. So to think of those tiny, minuscule little buttons on this watch, they're like so small. I'm not saying it didn't take effort, but remember, you were a lot smaller back then. And then I'm thinking, like, how often do I need to stop and do some sort of equation? Like, hold up. I got to do this Oh, Here's here's (laughs) the thing. If you had a calculator to watch back then, it wasn't just that you were pulling it out when it was like, call to by math like you would bust it out for anything oh someone wants to know the weather let me <laughs> let me pretend that this yeah. fucking calculator watch can tell me that yeah i have this space age piece of computer technology on my wrist you're like the guy from uh friday 13th part four yeah. his computer let me, you, let me check my computer <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're just busting out that watch whenever you want to show off <laughs> so i went to youtube And I was like, let me see, let me take a trip down memory lane. And I was watching this guy do a demo of this Casio calculator watch from back then. And like every math problem he kept putting in kept going wrong and it just wasn't calculating properly. Each button stands for like two different things. And if you press minus, you're also going to hit the letter M or something. It's just so ridiculous. They always get you. You could still buy these things. So someone would go out and spend the money to buy this watch, even though... You could go right on your cell phone. Well, it's, a, fa- it's a fashion statement. It really is just it's, for fashion. It's like, it's like you and all your t-shirts. It really is just for fashion. You walk around with a uh, calculator. It was always like a nerdy thing, but I think it's pretty nerdy. Cool. Please, yeah. it was not ner- back. So, like this one kid, and I think in first, second grade, maybe this guy Brian, my class had it. He was like the class brain, but we all hated him because we were so jealous. Wait, of wait, his-, his name was Brian, and he was the brain. Yeah. Oh my God, he was Brian the Brain versus Max Moon. Brian the Brain versus Max Moon. <laughs> Book it. <laughs> All right. Oh. So, what about Brian? Brian the Brain. Brian the Brain oh. had a Casio calculator watch, and we were so envious, like. We would always try to make the teacher take it away from him during tests, <laughs> but it was all just because we were jealous. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, that kid can't take this test. He has a calculator watch. <laughs> yeah, take your fucking calculator watch out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember how back in the day, like, you had the Casio calculator watch, which was, like, the gold standard, fucking Rolex of calculator watches. Yeah. But then you had, like, the ones you could try to get out of vending machines for Kmart. <laughs> yes. And they'd be, like, they'd be so cheap. Like, they look like they're falling apart. And even it didn't matter because you were never going to win one anyway. That's true. And they were, like, the elite prize. Out, right. Out of the, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be, like, a prize card. And you'd have the, the fucking calculator watch in the middle. But he'd be surrounded by, like, finger traps and, and, bulls, <laughs> and finger puppets and stickers. And, of course, that's what you got 100% of the time. <laughs> Those were the most popular version, but they made other versions. There was like Casio watches that you could use as a remote control to your VCR. All oh these my God. watch there technologies. Was seriously, there was in the 80s, there was a watch that controlled your VCR. Yes. That's so specific. <laughs> Here's your one function to $2,000 watch. <laughs> Who the fuck needs to control a VCR that way? <laughs> Nobody, even the people who owned it, nobody has ever used it, Jay. (laughs) That's what I want to do. I want to talk to a person 
who owned a Casio VCR remote control watch. Well, you know, we're going to hear from them the second we get published. <laughs> well, actually, guys, <laughs> in my school, we all wore VCR Casio calculator watches. And when the substitute was in, I used to mess with the fairy tale they were showing on TV. <laughs> Are you sure you grew up in the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, what news of the Earthlings? Total high tech, sir. Indeed. How? Oh. Check out those Casio watches. That new Casio Pulse watch checks your pulse rate. Not bad for a Zog my age. Casio's new data bank watch remembers up to 50 phone numbers, dates, hey, whatever. Amazing. Yeah, they've got more new watches than you can shake a Borbat. Splendid. I can always use another Casio. <laughs> they do a lot more than just tell time. Number four. Mario, Bells. And Introducing the ultimate game on planet Earth, Photon! Now you can hear and see when he's hit electronically. The one and only Photon! He's beaten! It's the ultimate challenge from the ultimate game, Photon! So back when we were kids, I think the most futuristic seeming toys we ever got our hands on had to be the laser tag and photon guns. Oh, yeah. Totally futuristic at the time. Nothing special by today's standards. But back then, it really did feel like you had gotten technology from the next century or something. Laser tag called it an academy. You'd like you felt like you were joining the laser tag. Academy. Oh, yeah. This was yeah. this was a cult, a cult of laser light. <laughs> and uh, I guess laser tag was more popular. I was a photon house. Yeah. But I mean, they both are basically the same thing. The only difference is that laser tag could be considered in the same universe as Teddy Ruxpin. Worlds of Wonder. Yes. Yes, it did have the Teddy connection, which, was, which wasn't nothing, I grant you. <laughs> but we were a photon house. Got that shit in uh, Christmas, 86. Yes. That was the big Christmas for laser tag. Oh, my God. I have an old home movie of that Christmas party, and I just will not give up the photon gun. Really? I thought it was so cool with that thing. You had to shoot lasers at everyone. Yes, yes, you <laughs> did. Of course, I didn't really have many people to play with back then, so I would just shoot that stupid little hexagonal target <laughs> that yeah. it, put the 9-volt in and just sit there shooting it from six inches away. You, yeah, and then but then you would start doing, like, the around the back, and, the, you know, like, you're doing Luke Skywalker poses. Pew! Yeah, that's where it comes from. <laughs> it we, is. We really drilled down on it. Yes, yes. Thank you, Melfi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking Proust Madeleine's over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the at-home versions, they were cool, but what I really wanted to bring up were the uh, the old arenas. Oh, man. This is amazing. Yeah. Specifically, the, the Photon Arena in Wildwood. Holy Ooh. shit. It's hot stuff right there. You've been in there, right? I was in there, yes. Uh, not to play, though. We just went in. Well, you could just go in yeah. and actually get to that, because you could just like basically waltz in and hang out and all the smoke light and everything. Yes. And just watch people play. Right. So uh, I went to Wildwood in 1989. We brought my old best friend along. Mm -hmm. So now that I finally had a same-age kid to do things with there, I finally hit the Photon Arena. And oh, oh my God. Like, that place was insane. Bathed in multicolored lights, and they would always have, like, some DJ playing. It was really cool. 
Right. It looked like something out of The Running Man or even something like out of Terminator, like from your scene. Yeah, it's almost like that that scene in the club in the early on in the movie. It's like that. So I'm going against him, and as fate would have it, we're the only two people playing that round. Like, it's just me versus him, which is oh, awesome. Man. That's awesome, yeah. And, you know, we're pretty evenly matched for a while, and then he trips, and I start just wailing on him. I'm just shooting him <laughs> left and right and left and right, and I'm racking up points. And then he uh, turns around and starts crying. He twisted his ankle. Oh, man. Yeah. So, what of a course, heel. What yeah. a heel. Yeah, so I stop fucking shooting him. I go over to console him and figure out what to do, and he starts shooting me. He gets ah, up and runs away. He plays, he's playing possum. He played possum, and he fucking won. <laughs> so this was on the second morning of a three-night vacation, Jay. I barely talked to him for the rest of our time in Wildwood. I was so fucking mad. I can't believe I've known you this long and it's the first time I'm hearing that story. Oh, because it's so painful. Like, you know how you have to put in your special ID names when you go in, like, yes. bowling? He was Batman and I was the Joker. So, it was really, like, if I won, they were gonna have fucking Joker's name flashing on the screen. Oh, oh man. He took that away from me. I had to sit there and watch Batman come up on there. <laughs> well, I'm glad we've dug up that painful memory because maybe it'll, it will be less painful for you now. And you could do like a, hey, man, let's make amends. Just challenge him to a rematch. I feel like I fucking deserve that, if nothing else. <laughs> oh, God, it's such a pisser. You know, he's talking about delving. This probably is why I'm so untrusting. We're like the Delversons tonight. The, yeah. You know, it's like a sitcom. The Delversons. Then, <laughs> actually, there was a, a revamp where they tried to open a new Photon Arena somewhere in, like, Oklahoma. Actually, within the past, like, 10 years or so. And I guess it failed. They were going to open a single new Photon Arena in Oklahoma, and they were calling it a comeback. They used to have five locations in every fucking town in every state. <laughs> Went back! You have been chosen to be the ultimate laser warrior. First, choose wisely. Choose the laser that really works together. It scores on the helmet, scores between phasers, when going into battle, don't get tagged. Be the ultimate laser warrior. Photon really works together. You have chosen wisely. Photon, only from Entertech. Number five. So I always like to bring up music videos on the Purple Stuff podcast, and tonight I'll be talking about Rick Springfield's Bop Until You Drop. Rick Springfield, a lot of people know him as a singer of Jesse's Girl, but he's also like a famous actor. He's been in a lot of movies and TV shows, and at one time he was known as like 
a real heartthrob. And uh, Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart actually sang a song, Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield. And it was on the wrestling album. So this is how we all know Rick Springfield. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What a fucking winding road you just took us on. (laughs) You're not wrong, though. I mean, that is like my mind goes to Jimmy Mouth of the South. Exactly. So this song, Bop Until You Drop, really awesome, bouncy track, 80s vibes. And later in the song, there's a robot singing the chorus, which is a bonus. Really good stuff. That's the song. Now we're going to talk about the music video, the spotlight. (laughs) Yeah, the music video, which I guess kind of correlates with the song, but not really. Not really at all. (laughs) So, like, during the time, we were fed with this post-apocalyptic vibe in, like, movies and TV shows. The idea where, like, everything is after a nuclear war and... People have to work in, like, slave labor and wear weird clothes. They were trying to make a statement, but for some reason they couldn't make it with humans, so they always had to do it with these, like, crazy aliens. Yeah, so, like, in this video, they're all working for this crazy monster-looking guy who almost looks like a more 80s horror version of Red Skull from Captain America. Yes, but, like, picture Red Skull mixed with Venom, sort of. It reminds you of the video we talked about from Billy Ocean. The level of production in this video is like better than any movie I could name from 1984 or before. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. No, we I get, mean, this, yeah, for instance, that's when this came out and it was like, the effects are insane. This is like total Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome vibes. Yeah, really yeah. cool. I did want to talk about this alien guy because I'm like, he's the bad guy and he's ruling over all this like slave labor that's going on. Right. So you got the, you got this fucking big giant, like goth Lord Zed and he's like lording over these face painted, basically slave people. Yeah. And while Rick Springfield is singing in this funky eighties tune, pop till you drop and everybody's going crazy because they hate this guy and they're laboring. Here's the problem though. So that would work if like this was an anthem about like liberating yourself i could see it but it's essentially rick springfield's version of nine to five yeah so it's like how is this revving them up well because he's keeping their spirits up he's like hey you got listen yeah you guys are busting your asses but i'm rick springfield i'm doing this gig for free just to help you guys along okay (laughs) i I guess i mean i could see it if he was saying something like fight the machine or something like that he's just like basically like work hard play hard and then go get what you want (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like it's not a revolting anthem or anything. <laughs> like the alien doesn't fucking bother to kill him at first because it doesn't even seem all that threatening. It's like, oh, let him sing. <laughs> yeah, he's just a court jester. Yeah. Then they start showing clips of like alien mutants and stuff like that. It's really neat. A lot of chaos going on. Uh, the Skull Man gets killed by a laser, and I think it was caused because Rick Springfield, like, I don't know what he did. He did something and. He exploded the skull guy. And it's just the whole point of this is that that was supposed to be the future when we were kids. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a I mean, that's a pretty big leap to take that to mean that it's going to be your future. Right. Yes. It's not the way it panned out at all. But maybe I kind of wanted it to be like that. Please. I think I would take the risk too, just to see all that shit up close. Mm. 
the coolest thing that happens yeah. is Rick Springfield <laughs> stage dives and gets floated like he's at a concert. Every second of this video is awesome. <laughs> that was that like seven second stretch mm, hit a new level for me. I know. I was like totally thinking you would like this because. Are you kidding? I it, fucking loved it. This is not often talked about, but I think it should be getting more love. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was reading up on it. This guy, David Fincher, he mm -hmm. was the director. Director, yeah. He and made a lot like, of famous you know, movies. He, well, first he was a music video guy, and then he uh, slid into movies. He did stuff like Alien 3, which definitely yes. tracks when you see this video. Totally. And he's made like hundreds of classic music videos. He did Vogue. Yes. And then he somehow pulled this insanity out of his ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, Rick, here's my pitch. <laughs> Number six. No what? Heat makes it happen. Hypercolor clothing changes color with heat. Only by genera. Like this. Okay, I don't know if this really fits the theme of the show, but I'm going to give it a try, Jay. All right, what's that? Hypercolor shirts. Oh, yeah. Made by Genera in 1991. These were those bright pastel t-shirts that changed color wherever you touched them. Absolutely. So you have like a light purple t-shirt, and then you put your hand on it, it would leave a bright pink handprint. Yeah, it wasn't immediate. You kind of had to linger it there for a second and get yeah, it real yeah. smushed in. It worked better on the commercials, that's for sure. Well, definitely. And by now, people are like, what the hell does this have to do with the future? And that's the thing. Back in the early 90s, this was like super high technology. There was definitely science involved. The real deal is that they were just heat sensitive. Mm -hmm. So like they would change color if you touched them, but they would also change color if you like sweat. Right. Which was, you know kind of gross it was like almost like a, a sweat notification for everyone else in class oh it was it was the absolute worst i own two of these and i wore them like maybe once or twice just to say i did it and then i stopped wearing them forever because of the embarrassing nature of it you mean a splotchy pastel purple and pink hypercolor shirt wasn't your like <laughs> idea of high fashion no no i loved it it's just that like you said, if I was sweating, right, it was super was, embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It's like it's this is like back in the when did we go to junior high in the sixties? There was no AC <laughs> in school back then. So right. by like by like two o'clock or whatever, your freaking shirt would oh, look this, like a, a map. Yeah, exactly. And then what if you went to gym? You went to gym. You're outside. Or you're playing kickball or whatever, and you're oh, just sweating your butt off. Oh, I man. wish I went to a gym that let us wear our normal shirts and didn't make us change into the school uniform, Jay. You lucky bastard. Oh, you had to do that? 
Well, I mean, I would have if I actually allowed it to happen. A lot of sick notes were written <laughs> in junior high. Oh, oh man! Sudden ailments, things yeah. from old hockey injuries started to flare up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing is that these were pretty expensive, especially just for T-shirts, because I remember it being a hard sell to get like multiple of these. In junior high, we definitely had kids that were fashionable, but I was like the kid who went with mom to Kmart the week before school started and got my entire year wardrobe. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, this was definitely extravagant, but even I had it because it really was like such a fad item. It was so cool. Yeah. And I think it would have been a more everlasting thing if each shirt was embedded with some sort of decoded message on it. So like when you did sweat, you would get like the secret of the universe or something. Right, right, right. That's all. Like, be sure to drink your Ovaltine in yeah, hypercolor yeah. lettering. Yes. Awesome. You won't know what message you get until you go and play your kickball game when it's 90 degrees. <sighs> and then you'll see, like, the schematics of how to locate wreckages of alien spaceships around the country. That's fucking incredible because, number one, that encourages exercise. And number two, <laughs> then we're kind of connecting to your last pick. You're saying the, the hypercolor ties back to bop until you drop? Well, you said something about going to outer space. Oh, well, we don't know if that's in space. That could have been in, like, Wyoming. Well, listen, I know this is hypercolor section, but let's face it, there's not much to say about a shirt. Are you <laughs> saying that Rick Springfield's outer space video took place in on land? No. Well, no, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying I don't know if we could definitively say that. Oh, man. <laughs> Gonna have have a swig of Red Bull after that one. Number seven. Ever since man set foot on Earth, he has been a creature on the moon, traveling, exploring, always in motion. We have made a science of motion. We are Nissan, a major name on the road for 50 years. Behind every Nissan car and truck is advanced technology. Nissan is now perfecting vehicles that can run on hydrogen or electricity. Nissan has harnessed computers to control car engines and revolutionized dashboards, employing sensors and electronics to cool you, warm you, warn you, entertain you, guide you, protect you, and yes, propel you. At Nissan, we make driving more thrilling, more efficient, more comfortable. At Nissan, we make every drive major motion. Dealer. All right, for my last pick tonight, Matt, it's a general statement, I'm going to say, futuristic car commercials. I wanted to just kind of discuss with you the vibe of these car commercials, I would say in the early to mid 80s, mm -hmm. where they basically sold cars as if they were spaceships. Yes, I have seen a few of those ads for sure. <laughs> And meanwhile, it's like it's a fucking it's a Ford Tempo. So yeah, it's like you know they're trying to make it so like futuristic. They always talk about onboard computers. 
Your washer fluid is low. They get the guy from the fucking Dianetics commercial to do the voiceover. Yeah, exactly. In your new car. I used to tune out commercials. I would always pause a VCR tape if I was recording something. Oh, if a you know, commercial in, came in, on. in my circles, that's that's criminal, Jay. <laughs> but I'm saying back then. I know. But like these commercials were ones that I would always watch. You know, there's one specific one for a Firebird. Totally one to check out. I know you said that you saw one, right? That you thought was I saw a crazy good. one for Nissan that basically, it, the effects made it look like it came out of Tron or something yeah, like that. Yes. And of course, like, you know, they're basically telling you that the car you're going to buy, which is a fairly everyday Nissan, can fucking time travel or something. <laughs> that's basically yeah. what, yeah, that's kind of what, like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's basically what In it was. In your new Nissan car, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you will fly. <laughs> All right, let me, um, let me send you one that I saw that I felt like was super appropriate for this choice. Okay. All right, I'm going to send you this uh, link and then make sure... One of us has dogs in the background. It's like that's the craziest. You. That's definitely you. you hear these? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is dogs like, the way to say it? It's like they're like coyotes. I, I, they're, they're playing this podcast like a harp from hell. <laughs> they can't wait to see this car commercial. <laughs> All right. So this is the Chrysler Laser XE. It's from 1985, this commercial. I'll pump it up. Lee Iacocca asked his engineers to build a sports car. Remember, the competition is good. We've got to be better. Make it fast. Give it fuel-injected turbo power. We did. From Who's talking? 15, Who is that? It's so is familiar. Faster. Why isn't it coming to me? It sounds like Darth Vader. It's Darth Vader! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yes! And they're showing like all these computers. And it's Darth it's, Vader. It's the Wraith! It's... The Wraith is driving the car! This commercial is from pre-Wraith days, and clearly we know now what, why that movie happened. Because they saw this Chrysler commercial from 1985. Oh my god, like there's lasers in the sky. I want to watch it again, hold on yeah, a second. It's, it's incredible. Now that I know what I know, that laser logo at the front, jeez. There's a lot I have to say about this commercial because, alright, all right, you gotta well, keep in mind. You're gonna have to talk over James Earl then. <laughs> so, Star Wars was supposed to be a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but this felt like super futuristic advertising. It was unmistakably Darth Vader. It's not just James Earl. It's James Earl doing Darth Vader. So this is two years after Return of the Jedi, so that voice was still fresh in people's minds, and it's like he's describing the technological terror of a sleek black sport coupe. The innards of the car, like this soft black leather, it just looks like Darth Vader too. Yes, it's the Darth Vader car. It's the Darth I mean, Vader car. It is. That's that's incredible. And like, how much do you think it took to get Darth Vader to voice over your car commercial back then? I mean, James Earl probably charged them a mint, Jay. How many people really heard this and were like, they got to jet out because they're in service to the Galactic Empire. They're doing their due diligence. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I don't get, it's like, I could see why this affected you so much. This this commercial is like aimed at a fucking six-year-old. Yeah, exactly. It's like a black sports car. Charlie Sheen is driving it with yeah, his helmet. Yeah, Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader. I was like, is somebody I, that is of driving age going to look at this and say, you know what? I got to get me one of these it's, cars. It looks like a toy. Yeah. Onboard computers. They're showing me all these buttons. 
I'm gonna get myself a Chrysler <laughs> Laser XC from '85. That's what I'm saying. And like, I mean, like as long as I could hit buttons in the car and it's black, I, I'll take it. You remember the way the inside of cars used to smell back then? That like that vinyl-y smell. Oh my god. Oh man. Well, you're you're gonna be smelling it the next time you take a ride with me because I am gonna get this Chrysler. <laughs> you could easily think back then. That this may have somehow been endorsed or authorized by Star Wars, like the special edition TIE Interceptor Plymouth. So you're thinking maybe they made a little deal with uh, Lucas over there. Yeah. Chrysler, they used to build like parts to spaceships in the 50s and the 60s. This might have been a spaceship. No, Jay, this is very much a regular Chrysler. <laughs> it's like so obviously, it's like it's the same car like your friend's mom used to take you to the mall in. Only hers was like that mustard yellow color. Give it a brain. We did. Onboard computers monitor more functions than its competitors. Make it luxurious. Rich mark cross levers are available. Make it right. Back it with a five-year, 50,000-mile protection plan. We do. Nobody else does. Make it affordable. We did. Chrysler Laser XE. The competition is good. We have to be better. Number 8 You are about to experience a 21st century nightmare A voyage into an uncharted realm of futuristic fear An expedition in search of the key to the unknown Has uncovered a new form of life More intelligent more powerful, more frightening than anything ever encountered in space. Star Crystal. No! Roger! Star Crystal, a new form of life and death. Okay, we've arrived at my last pick, and uh, this one is something, Jay. Oh, yeah? What is that? It is a movie called Star Crystal. Oh, yes. Released, I believe, in 1985, maybe 86, I can't remember which, but it was set in 2035. I don't know where to start with this. Before you get into it, I had never seen this before. I don't think many have. <laughs> when you told me about it, it sounded so familiar. And you mentioned because of the VHS box, I'm like, yeah, that's how I knew it because you would see it in the video store. Right. I mean, I was a Star Wars kid, so I was always renting random sci-fi movies back then. So this was actually one that I did see as a kid. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's wow, it is so bizarre. <laughs> it really is. I'm going to try to cut it down to like the barest summary. For like four-fifths of the movie, you've got this human crew trapped on a spaceship. And they're being picked off by this, like, unseen, slimy alien who's stowed away on board. Right. It kind of, it's just tentacles. Right, right. So you don't know what he actually, like, completely looks like. But the kills, they're like Argento-level gore. Puddles of blood. People melting. Yeah, you're not expecting it either. I think that makes it more... Effective. No, there's no indication from the tone of the movie in any sense. I mean, in every sense, from the score to the acting, 
Nothing tells you that this is going to be a movie where people literally get like Hellraiser level <laughs> eviscerated. That's yeah, true. It's so true. So this uh, mysterious alien kills all but two of the crew. And then it turns out, after all, that he's not such a bad guy. Oh, yeah. He was just afraid <laughs> that the humans were going to get him. He had to change your heart. He did. So they all become friends, him and the surviving two. <laughs> Yeah. And the alien, his name is Gar, and when we finally see him, he looks like a like a snail mixed with E.T. kind of. That's pretty accurate, yep. And, of course, he's learned English. I'm sorry about your friend. Yeah? His death has shown me the importance of life. Once you see that, you're really hooked from, from that point until the end. It's just unflinchingly gory and mean. And then it turns into this like family friendly, almost comedy. It's a space horror film that turns into a TV sitcom. The one that has that wacky pet alien who loves to pull pranks. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, he's, <laughs> they're, he's playing chess with the guy and he just killed the guy's yeah. friend. Yeah. He's like, he, he literally melted him. He's like, he's sitting there like all to his toxic corpse is 10 feet away and they're playing chess. Yeah. He's like, Listen, man, sorry about what happened. Yeah. Only the way he would say it is sorry. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> so weird. I mean, so much of it is, is kind of dull. Like yeah. It's very plotting for a long stretch. I'll tell you one thing. There's a hell of a lot of shots where you see the actors just staring <laughs> into nothing. Right. Uh, I believe, what is it called? An L cut? Well, the, the, they never heard of them back then, apparently. <laughs> I can say a couple things really good about this film. And the first thing is, do you remember in the beginning of the movie where they're drinking Coca-Colas and they're like these space age like thermoses that they have. It's almost like a sippy cup, but for space people. Yeah, I mean, uh, they started strong. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. I just felt like, wow, this is super high-tech drink memorabilia. I would like to have this. So what did you think of this movie overall? Here's my review. Better than Octoman. <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I feel like I'm a little ahead of the curve on this movie. Like if Vinegar Syndrome did a big release or if it was on Joe Bob or something, people would grab on. This is exactly that type of film. And nobody talks about this movie. I noticed that horror fans, they're not super quick to get into the old sci-fi stuff. But this is really more of a horror movie. This is a horror movie, yeah. And it gets weird at the end, which is what I think makes those movies that we like. You know, when you're talking like Deadly Friend and stuff, right. like there's there's things that happen in the film that you don't expect. And right. this has that at the end. Like the, the movie is like five, seven hours. It's like Ben-Hur. And, but it's like, and so much of it, you can be like, why am I watching this? But when it gets to the good parts, they're ben so Hur. good. <laughs> it's like one of those VHS it's got like four VHS tapes you have to <laughs> open it like a book and, all this and a special Fortnite yeah. TV event <laughs> alright so it's an amazing film and even at the end did you know this little trivia bit I'm sure you read it there's a song at the end and it's called Crystal of the Stars and the singer is the voice of Daphne in Scooby Doo but only like the first season or whatever 
Well, I mean, still the original Daphne, which is an insane connection. Like you yeah. wouldn't think you could connect Scooby Doo to the <laughs> slimy alien and Star Crystal. I, I love like, it. You only need one degree. <laughs> That's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, I love tying everything to Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, I know, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> So we're back from our trip to the future. A lot of cool picks tonight. Yeah, well, I'm going to go through yours and see which one I liked best. Okay. You brought the Rick Springfield music video. You brought uh, the futuristic car commercials, which also included one for the Chrysler Laser XE 1985. <laughs> yeah. It's I got to remember car. that one. I got to write that down. <laughs> Um, what else did you do? You did the Terminator dream sequence slash flashback with Kyle Reese and the, uh, the big giant evil robot who's shooting lasers at him in a car. Yes. And finally, the Casio calculator watch, <laughs> which also came in a VCR controlling variety, which I'm learning about for the first time tonight, and still stand completely confident that nobody has ever used once. <laughs> I don't know. You never know, man. This is a tough one. They feel like they're almost even. I think you could eliminate the, the calculator watch. I mean, you know, that's a safe bet. <laughs> don't, don't be so sure. Um, to be honest with you, my heart really does say it's that one, but I'm going to go with my brain on this really? one. Really? Oh, I was, I'm surprised at that. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I love that watch, man. It's, again, fuck fucking Brian. Brian the brain. <laughs> I'm going to pick the Rick Springfield music video. Nice. Yeah, That's I can't it. not yeah. pick it. It's so... It's tremendous. It's so good looking. Nobody's talking about bop till you drop. Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not... Would you... like On Rick Springfield scale, would that even be like in your top five Rick Springfield songs? I would think it would probably be like five or six. For five or six to get this number one music video, that's just such an amazing thing. Yeah. Tremendous. Good mm -hmm. pick there. Rick yep. Springfield. All right, let me go through yours. You had a lot of good picks tonight. You had Max Moon, Comic Kid. Maximilian the, Moon. I think he was like a video gamey, space age kind of guy who <laughs> fell out of his <laughs> rocket and landed in a in the squared circle. <laughs> I'm picturing you pitching it to Vince that way. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is such good shit. <laughs> Uh, all right so photon laser tag arenas which man a lot of good memories there and i think 
we could have seen a resurgence in the whole laser tag thing. Some places still do it, but I was always hoping it would get like to the point where it became a thing like bowling, where everybody did it like on Monday nights. Yeah, why isn't it? Why can't it be the next bowling? Yes. It needs a magazine cover that says that. Laser tag, the next bowling. And then it was like, <laughs> we're, we're fucking off to the races. Sports Illustrated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that shit's all paid for anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right, then we had the super high technology shirt, the Hypercolor. <laughs> yeah, Hypercolor ain't got no shot tonight. To think that we were bragging to say, hey, we had this high-tech t-shirt, but hey, did you see I got pumps on my feet? I'm wearing these crazy skids on oh my, my legs. Oh my God, we were such- like, We were such idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the, the fucking Bojos and Cavariccis? Oh my God. It's what like a cross thinking? between khakis and parachute pants. Like, oh, what the man. hell? What's going on with us? I used to have a tail- <laughs> oh god yeah so, dumb. so did i yeah you know in that commercial for hypercolor they show a woman and a man fornicating on a bed that's what the hypercolor does to people it was a turn-on it was a mutual <laughs> turn-on what do you do no I, i'm just irresistible kidding. when you wore that shirt but in all honesty though when you watch that commercial that was like a little bit further than they would have normally gone, but they got away with it because it was only because for a hypercolor t-shirt. It was basically the adult version of like Dance Party USA. <laughs> and then Star Crystal. I keep wanting to say the Star Crystal. Star Crystal was just this amazing gift to the universe. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's going to take a while for you to really feel like it's worth it. But once yeah. it turns that corner... You you it's, just you're gonna get tattoos of this movie. Th yeah, you know what it is. It takes a little while, like you said. Um, it has to ferment a little bit, and yeah, once it like does, it, oh my gosh! I mean, it's literally just a full hour of people talking in like a Star Trek fucking deck set. <laughs> there's one. There's one. Scene. Hit that it's button. Not, yeah. Hit that button. They're Hit that button. They're totally like that. And there's a scene where they got drunk, and I love when people are bad at acting like they're drunk. <laughs> because that's how yes. you can mark good acting. So yes. right, Jay. <laughs> All the words were slurred, you know. Like, come on, man. <laughs> but shouldn't we be piloting the shuttle? <laughs> it's just so weird. It's very odd. Uh, man, this is a tough one. Whew. All right, I'm going to knock Max Moon out. Much like the uh, entirety of the 93 Rumble. <laughs> 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 I aged out of Max Moon at that point, I think. Well, I mean, maybe I just aged back into him because I loved this guy. I loved him. You aged back into him. Yeah. I regressed uh, as soon as I saw that neon costume. I'm like, fuck this. I'm heading back. <laughs> All right. I'm going to knock out Hypercolor, Photon. I'm going directly for Star Crystal. Oh, God appreciates it, Jay. I mean, this, this movie, the minute you see this glow worm playing yep. chess with one of the guys in the spaceship <laughs> and having an intellectual conversation about how his mind was so torn and he's apologizing for freaking murdering everyone. I'm sorry I killed your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he also reminds me of? The slug thing in A New Hope in the garbage compactor. Dianaga. <laughs> yeah. Dianaga, of course. Yeah, he yeah. does sort of look like that. It also looks like a bit like the uh, the hammerhead from the cantina. 
Yeah, mixed with like a glow worm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this star crystal definitely something else and I'm glad you brought it up and I'm really happy to have seen it because you pushed me into it. Man, can you imagine if you took the cast of Star Crystal, meaning the two survivors and gah, and put them in the Rick Springfield music video, combine our our finalists, our champions tonight? They're in the same universe. I hope so. The, uh, <laughs> it's like it's the like Teddy Ruxpin and yeah. laser tag. The, the Star Crystal universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Yes, and as a reminder, we are also on Patreon. We'll be dropping perhaps two bonus shows in February. That is uh, patreon.com slash purplestuff. Thank you guys for all of your support over there. Thank you so much. We had a great time on the future show. And uh, <laughs> Future show. Whatever. Hypercolor shirts, car commercials. <laughs> <laughs> laser tag oh man so this has been the purple stuff podcast i am jay from sludge central i am matt from dinosaur dracula see you next time pretty pony standing on the avenue flashing loaded pistol to dumb the beach somebody told him playing cops and robbers was cool would i wrap up in different if we only knew i've seen the future And it works If this life after we we see Don't go out like a jerk Systematic overthrow of the underclass Hollywood conscious images of the past New early spirituality that would last Placed it yet. You released your hand. I did not. Why is he such a jerk? Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff podcast.